0: That. Well, thank you for listening to Rise FM.
1: This is the session where faith and life connect. I'm Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And with it being February, we celebrate what we call around here Love Month. Yes, definitely. And uh, we're doing that to make sure that Tom does two things, really. One is to remember it's his anniversary. That's right. And uh, secondly, to remember it's Kathy's birthday this
0: month, too. That's right. And have we, we have accomplished both tasks. We have. Okay. And there, that was death-defying acts. <laughs> I mean,
1: Oh, boy. If you want to catch up on the other topics we've talked about in Love Month, you can always go to the podcast network at risefmohio.com. Today we're going to begin a conversation, because just knowing Tom and I, when right. you have the top ten of anything, there is no <laughs> way we're going to get through all ten. So we're just going to assume two weeks for the top ten marriage myths. Right. And before we dive into them, Tom, let's dive into God's Word.
0: Well, and let's go out of Genesis 2 and the 18th verse, Scott, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God clearly knew I needed a helper. We guys all did. Yeah. Absolutely. He gave me this incredible and beautiful, patient, good teaching helper that you've now been married to for hundreds of years. <laughs> That's
1: true. <laughs> Moses stood up for you at your wedding. <laughs> That's right. <trying. laughs> All right, so yeah. as we jump into this, uh, the number one—not the number one thing, but one of the top ten marriage myths—is that healthy marriages just come naturally. Yeah, you—you you just got married and it was
0: perfect, and it so was Ken and Barbie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And the first time the the dinner was burnt, so much for this natural marriage. <laughs> right. So the truth is, Scott. That marriage and relationships is hard work. I'm going to come back to that. This probably is one of the most common myths about marriage. I think about hard work. I think about, you know, sitting at a table and debating about what you're doing wrong and you're debating about what I'm doing wrong. And I think that's absolutely not anywhere near what marriage really should be about. Maybe I'm wrong or living in a pie-in-the-sky world because... Kathy and I prioritized our relationship. Well, that prioritizing meant date night. It meant twenty-four to forty-eight hour getaways where we just went out and hung out together. And well, you know, one time we went to Quaker Square in Akron and we toured most of the state lodges just to have a romantic time. You know, those kinds of things are not hard work. They're fun. There's something you look forward to. And so if you're thinking, you mean I got to hang out with my wife or my (laughs) husband for 48 hours, then you might want to do some inner uh, probing and checking out and and look at what's going on. I will always be thankful that she's been my best friend going on 55 years.
1: Wow. And that is something to celebrate.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You
1: know, Sherry and I will, we don't go a lot of places. Sometimes we just go out for a drive. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes we'll just get on seventy one. We'll drive till we see something we want to get off at, and then we'll turn around and come home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But just spending time hanging yeah. out together, and, and we just we'll just sit and talk while we're driving.
0: And sometimes that's easier for us. So two important words here that we want to think about that will help the marriage grow is number one, being proactive coming up with plans. Don't be reactive and just reacting to whatever happens and managing that, but be proactive in letting your marriage partner know what he or she means to you. And then the other one is being intentional. When we're proactive and intentional, we're doing things that will cause the relationship to grow. And this term Oh, we had to get at least one in today. You're going to hit me with another osinosan or something like that. (laughs) Well, it's something like that. It is the term synergistic. So a synergistic relationship is a relationship that's actually better because it's been together than it has been apart. So when you're intentional and you're proactive, you have a higher probability of growing a synergistic relationship and when we when we talk about oneness in Scripture, when Ecclesiastes talked about a threefold cord, and there's three cords in it, that rope should be really tight. If you looked at the end of it, you could see the three strands. But if you held it up in front of your eyes and looked at the whole length of the rope, it looked like one rope. That is closeness that is not it does it doesn't necessarily come natural. But if you're intentional and you're proactive, you have that opportunity to get there.
1: So we're talking about the top 10 marriage myths here on the session today. The first one, healthy marriages come naturally. The second one, having a conflict is a sign that your marriage has crashed and burned. That's right. I'm going home to see mom right now. (laughs) I still remember our first fight. She went one way. I went the other. I went out on the back porch and I sat there and I thought, what have I done? Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is over. We had a fight. I didn't know what to do because right. I, I wasn't prepared for right. how to disagree with Sherry. Okay, yeah. And, I, and here it is, going to be 40 years this year, and I haven't won an argument yet. <laughs> well, in her last email,
0: she said, uh, he still hasn't yeah, learned that yeah, his yeah, views yeah. are not those of the management's. She's <laughs> oh, oh. all right. Yes. Research has proven many times— is that conflict can be resolved in marriage. A common thing. And in fact, conflict resolution, according to folks like Dr. Gottman, who's one of the more famous marriage researchers, talks about it's the predictor of the prognosis is how you handle conflict. If you learn healthy ways of handling conflict- (laughs) <laughs> or right or yeah. duck whichever
1: if you didn't run fast enough duck neither one of those are probably proper responses according to Gottman that's true yeah no he probably
0: wouldn't wouldn't put that in there but and so if you understand how to resolve conflict well you're going to help develop a healthy family an intact family a functional family and if you don't then you're likely going to have a dysfunctional, disconnected family. And so we find typically in some statistic, and it's reported someplace in the news, that dysfunctional, disconnected, unhealthy family is sad. But a big predictor of that is conflict resolution.
1: And I know we've talked through this in Scripture several times. I think maybe just a couple of weeks ago you mentioned a passage out of James. That's right.
0: In James 1, 19 and 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger does not produce the righteousness that our God desires. When you say it that way, it makes sense. Yeah. How could it? Absolutely. When we talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, and Paul says in Ephesians 4, right around 29 and verse 30, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, how grieved does the Holy Spirit feel when we have anger in us? How can we have the fruit of the Spirit present at the same time that we're angry? The the two can't work together. And that's true. Darkness cannot work with light. Yeah. Boy, that's really good. Yeah, I like it, that.
1: I use that sometimes. Yeah, that's a yeah, quote of the right day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no extra charge for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number three awesome. of our top 10 marriage myths, being married will automatically bring happiness to a sad life. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, oh, uh, no. Yeah, no. no.
0: <laughs> yeah, a happy marriage is the product of two people that are committed to having a union and to growing. So that commitment is really important. So it's not like, well, you know what? I said I do. Now the rest is up to you, dear. No, that's <laughs> not going to cut it. When we talk about that whole idea of being committed to our relationship, what kind of relationship do you want to have? And do you really want it to be a pain? Oftentimes people will revert back to the picture of marriage that they grew up with. So what happens when that marriage wasn't good? You know, my brother and I had a bet that mom and dad won't make it until we graduate from high school. (laughs) (laughs) But what kind of model was that, you know? If I hadn't had such a heart and studied it, I really want to say 1975, 76 is when I really could sense from the Lord I'm beginning to have a heart for marriage. Well, we were married in 75, so it was <laughs> <laughs> <is> good timing. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. you've said it before
1: that when you sit down with a couple, first time you're meeting with them for marriage counseling, and you ask them who taught you how to be married. Yeah, yeah.
0: Been amazing some of the answers that we get there. <laughs> well, and some will say, certainly wasn't my parents. <laughs> and others would say, yeah, it was my parents. It was a negative role model. So they're starting behind the eight ball to begin with. Exactly. Yeah, and we will always be thankful that our pastor not only helped us with marrying us, but he also helped facilitate a support system around us that kept us connected. And we grew together, and we grew in the Lord, and we grew in the the couples that we were with. Which reminds me, we just recently had dinner with our mentor couple that when we were first married, we identified them as our mentor couple. They didn't volunteer. We, <laughs> <laughs> we identified them. Hi, you're uh, going to help us get married. Uh, that's right. And you're going to help us figure out the toothpaste. <laughs> and they have been cheerleaders of ours now going on 48
1: years. Mm. Those are fun dinners. Yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: And to celebrate. You have pictures of some of those dinners over the years? Oh, that would have been. We have some pictures of being together. They once were managing a condo unit in what they called Paradise, the Florida Keys. Oh, well. And we were down there and we actually took pictures together. See, that'd be,
1: that'd be the fun part to see those pictures over the years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember when my hair was still that color.
0: <laughs> That's right. And I yeah. had some. <laughs> and I had more of it, yes.
1: <laughs> All right. Number four. Oh, this, this one, we're meddling now. Let's do that next week, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Your sex life will automatically get boring once you get married.
0: Right. Sure. So you get out of life what you put into it. And But research that I have read would say, that those who are married have a higher quality of sex and more frequency of sex in their marriage. Interesting. Yeah. Because they are married than those who, who aren't. Because there, there's a freedom
1: to express it now as opposed to should we or shouldn't we? Well, yeah.
0: W- when we talk about the difference between lovemaking and it's just sex... The huge difference is that lovemaking is about the mingling of souls, whereas sex is about the mingling of bodies. There's really not that soul connection. There's a term that talks about in Christian psychology called soul ties, where husband and wife's soul tie together in that process. And it helps facilitate the oneness that Solomon was talking about in Ecclesiastes again with the threefold court. It helps facilitate that. And that's why it's so painful when we lose a spouse is because our, our soul was so tightly wrapped together.
1: And you see those couples that have been married for 65 years and one will pass and the other one passes three months later.
0: Yeah i can understand why and we just we kind
1: of just went through that here in north central ohio uh, last year Mm -hmm. with uh with the the beautiful couple that owned grandpa's cheese barn and sweetie's chocolate Mm. you know one passed away and the other one very quickly after yeah they've been married for a long time and i just can't help but wonder if it was that you know like what you just described you know it's
0: true you know i i think heaven forbid there's something should happen to kathy and uh, what i what i remarry Well, you know, maybe 30 years ago, I might have said, well, yeah, yeah, probably. But today, I I don't have the energy to get trained again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember my dad
0: saying a long,
1: long time ago, and we were talking about Sherry and I getting insurance, life insurance, Mm -hmm. when we first got married. And I said, well, what kind of insurance do you have? I'm not giving her enough insurance to pay for her next husband.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. some wisdom in that, I
1: uh-huh. And number five, your spouse should be able to accept all of you without any need for change. Oh,
0: this is interesting.
1: That yeah. is a myth, y'all.
0: Uh, yeah. So while your spouse needs to love and appreciate you for who you are, there's no rule that they have to indefinitely keep up with your excesses, especially when you aren't making any conscious effort to turn over a new leaf. Paul laid out the model in 1 Corinthians 11 about what we should do with communion. That before we partake of it, and of course, before he got to the church at Corinth, they thought it was a three-day festival and a party. And, you know, the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. and then, Everybody got drunk. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And so what ends up happening is he says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, let's step back. And let's evaluate, let's explore in our own selves and take care of that which we should take care of. And I think that's exactly the same attitude we want to take into marriage, is marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. I think we could also look at teaching that Jesus had about why should I be so focused On the speck in my wife's eye when I've got a log in my own. Right. It's that kind of thinking. So that is just the beginning,
1: the tip of the iceberg, you might say. Five of the top ten marriage myths. And knowing Tom and I, it is best if we stop here (laughs) and finish the next five next week. Yes. So until then, you know, if you came in in the middle and you want to catch up, This will be available on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. And Tom, if someone wants to start a conversation about anything, getting marriage counseling, premarital counseling, you've been married for a long time, you need a refresher course, you know, any of that kind of thing, how can they get a hold of Tom to start a conversation? Uh,
0: I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com.